becomes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you grab just turns to dust. Like eye contact with a stranger straight around the curve. It's a dream that you to make real. Passing note of the song. Glimmer, glimmer of the ship being seen. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> it's Valentine's Day. The to most, love. To love. <laughs> the most made up holiday. <laughs> and to the shores. To the shores. I mean, it's not technically a holiday, right? It's what is it? It's just a it's a celebration. Celebration of buying shit. Yeah. Spending money. I want to say it's pretty Valentine's cynical. is probably my my least favorite holiday. I don't know if that's a yeah. Okay to say or not. <laughs> well, what do you hate about it? Let's go. <laughs> it just feels very contrived for the most part. Yeah. However, now in my head, I'm making a justification for it. So it's like, at least it's one time out of the year where you make a special effort, you know? Mm. Well, you don't. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> That's true. Ostensibly one could. <laughs> And to give myself an excuse, uh, Allison's birthday is like really close to a Valentine's day. So that's kind of like our, that's kind of like our thing. We, we do her yeah. birthday. So it's really her birthday month. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow you <laughs> poo pooed on Valentine's day and then managed to become <laughs> married to the woman who is close to Valentine's day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it kind of feels a little bit like you and I both watched the Super Bowl, mm. which is not something that I would expect either of us to do. <laughs> no. Um, especially since, like, I'll watch it with my kids if they want to watch it, you know. Uh, but my kids weren't here, or at least two of them weren't here. They were at Super Bowl parties. But I watched it by myself. Yeah. I just, I guess I didn't feel like I had anything else to do, and I was somewhat curious and but we were talking about how the whole thing felt sort of out of touch. And uh, Valentine's Day feels like that a little bit to me. And I wonder how much of it is just the things that I'm are going on in my own life and the things that I'm paying attention to. But it feels like it feels strange to be watching the Super Bowl and the advertisements and the sort of it feels like a remnant of a past life. Like it, it's hard for it to feel relevant with so much crazy stuff going on in the world. I also kind of wonder if that is that a part of our age too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like Christmas had this sort of magical thing to it, and and then it kind of loses its magicalness, and then you have kids, and you know, Christmas becomes kind of magical again in a sense because you're kind of orchestrating the magic, you know. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of get old enough, which is kind of sad because my youngest is still ten is almost 11. And so I feel like she kind of gets the short of the stick and all these things. It's sort of, okay, yeah, we're, we're done with this. She's like, well, I'm just starting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's kind of unfortunate. Uh, but you know, I kind of wonder if that's the same thing with Super Bowl or even Valentine's day or any of that kind of stuff. Partly that, that I, I accept that that's partly explanatory, hmm. but I still hold that we are in an interesting point in history right now in the West in the United States. Like, you know, we're potentially already in world war three in, 
that's happening in a, in two separate hot wars with a third potentially coming. Hmm. We have a president who just got uh, declared too mentally unfit to stand trial from the, the special counsel's report on his handling of classified documents. They said that he was definitely guilty of mishandling those documents and broke the law, but that he was not mentally, they expected a jury would not find him mentally fit to stand trial. So they're not going to charge him. We have a potential repeat of Trump versus Biden mm. where you're seeing, uh, like a catastrophic and very confusing, uh, open border situation. Mm. Um, like all these things are going on it feels like there's some other shoe about to drop. Like we're not just going to kind of coast into this next election. The mm -hmm. powers that be, I, I feel that they almost certainly have to cause some crisis to occur mm -hmm. in order to try to control the vote. So, you know, I'm watching Matt Damon and Ben Affleck in a Dunkin' Donuts commercial and usher roller skating. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, I, I, I <laughs> yeah, this feels out of touch. <laughs> Not to mention there was so much talk about the Super Bowl being rigged, mm. which I've never really heard in past years. Yeah. I think people just generally feel like everything is a farce. Everything's a lie. Every institution is corrupt. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not taking anything seriously. Uh, well, simultaneously not taking anything seriously and taking almost everything seriously. It was too serious. Yeah. You know, it's like the Travis Kelsey, um, Taylor Swift thing. Hmm. People were saying it was a government psyop, <laughs> you know, and it's bizarre. Yeah. But it, it's like, nobody can take anything at face value. So how do you just sit down and enjoy, you know, what used to be an enjoyable experience, the hmm. Super Bowl, even if you don't like football, yeah. when everything seems like something's the wool's being pulled over your eyes. It's what it feels like. Yeah. But you know, Valentine's day feels like that to me. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. I try. I'm glad you came out uh, more cynical so then I can like try not to be. Okay. <laughs> it's like, I got to push back here. I don't know how to push back, but I'll try. You know, I, I kind of like, maybe that's even with the Super Bowl. Like I kind of felt, I don't feel like it was super political, which was kind of nice. Like I didn't feel like there was any, like mm -hmm. any. It was less political mm -hmm. than it has been in the yeah. recent past. There was no kneeling and, yeah. you know. Everyone's got something they have to prove or tell you about or, right. you know. They still had the end racism thing mm -hmm. plastered on the field, but yeah. it was kind of small and towards the edge. It felt, felt like, Oh yeah, we still have to do this, but no one yeah. really cares anymore. Yeah. So it's kind of, that was kind of, that was kind of interesting. So I kind of, I appreciate that, but I, I, I kind of did feel like you, I kind of felt out of touch with, um, the football in general. And I, part of it's just, I, I've kept kind of questioning if it's my age too, you know, yeah. and not, like kind of losing a little bit of the magic. Some of our Super Bowl parties were just super fun. And, mm -hmm. you know, everyone was uh, eating and, you know, talking. And, but also, I think you also have to be in a room with somebody who's like actually a football fan, you know, yeah. they kind of carry that 
that energy and spirit of like, yeah, no way. <laughs> Get them. Yeah. So I don't know. I was glad I watched it though. And that's the first one I've watched. And I, I can't even tell you probably at least a decade. Oh, wow. Yeah. Maybe more. Hmm. Yeah. Probably more. <laughs> I was going to say two decades. But actually, that's probably right. <laughs> yeah. I just feel like in general, it's, it's difficult to, and maybe it is just my age or just the, the season of life I'm in, but to have that sort of, um, fun experience where mm. you're eating, you're drinking, you're laughing, you're cheering, you know, it's like, it requires a certain amount of everything's okay mm-hmm. in our lives such that we can just kind of lay back and, and, you know, crack a beer or whatever. But everything feels somewhat stressful. Like the prices mm-hmm. are going up everywhere. Inflation's a problem. People can't, you know, it's, it's hard to put your finger on exactly what it is or where it is. But everywhere I look, there's some potentially existential crisis mm-hmm. in life in general. Well, there's also that part of, you know, what entertainment does is where it, it does. It entertains you. It takes you outside of yourself. And yeah. you're not thinking about Right. The things that are going on around you. And there's something, there's kind of a relief in that, and that we, we do need those moments. And, uh, I, I kind of feel like even that has been taken away from us over the last few years, as far as, you know, let's just give me a good story and tell mm-hmm. me something that's amazing. And mm-hmm. so many things have all of these sort of like agendas to them. And even if there's not one, you're still looking for it because you're so used to people having an agenda, you know, outside of just entertainment. Hey, I want, I want you to come in here and sit down and I'm just going to like wisp you away into a, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. I'm I'm, I'm almost finished with the wheel of time and I'm on book 13 and I'm completely like wisped away. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. it's, I'm in another world and I I just kind of miss that sometimes. Yeah. That feeling. Right. Hmm. You look like you're mulling over something. Yeah, I'm just... <clears throat> I don't know. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you look like I you see, see you running down a couple of trails there. <laughs> you running down, did some trail running. <laughs> yeah. No, I love... I, I'm even trying to think, like, what's what's the best... What's, what's a good movie or show that you've watched or it's kind of taking you into a different world lately. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. Dune came to mind. Mm. Really excited about the new Dune movie. But honestly, the last thing that I did that I had that experience of being whisked away to where like my truck, you know, you check your troubles at the door. Mm-hmm. I went fly fishing last oh, week. Yeah. I'd never been before. Mm-hmm. And 20 minutes into the experience, I was like, Oh, <laughs> This is why you do this. <laughs> That's awesome. Because you just concentrate on the motions and you're in the water and you're looking around and, you know, there's no, you can't like pull your phone out and look at Instagram while you're fly fishing. You know, it's just like everything goes away and mm-hmm. you're just there in nature. And yeah, it was amazing. An amazing experience. Story wise, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I can't really think of anything. I think that's something that's kind of missing in the West in general though. Well, shoot. I'm trying to think 
Because it's, it's so different from, you know, you get on Instagram or YouTube or TikTok and you just get caught up in the reels. Yeah. It, that's a different feeling than like getting caught up than getting caught up in a narrative or a dialogue that's right. You know, over a period of time. Cause like, I mean, like it was a couple of nights ago, I just was going through reels or something like that. And I just got down. I was just like, Oh, I wish I would have read another chapter of my book. Yeah, totally. Um, so it's like, so it's not that we don't get lost or carried away into things, but it's like the quality of what that is, 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 is different sometimes. Mm-hmm. What is the feeling for you? The, the, the feeling of being, cause you do get sucked into something like reels. You just like scroll and scroll and scroll. And what is that feeling? What does that feel like to you? The reels or the other thing? The reels. The reels. Uh, I mean, it's definitely kind of all the cliche stuff of like, just, you know, a hit, a hit, a hit, you mm-hmm. know, and, and you know, the cocaine wears off and I need another bump and yeah. another bump, you know, just to keep going. And it just keeps feeling good each time you do it, you know? And, um, and, and again, a lot of it's very interesting. I'm not, I'm very thankful for it too, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's something that it's just not satisfying when you're done. Like you don't feel like, Oh wow. I'm really glad I spent my time that way. Exactly. Yeah. I don't think, yeah. I think there's very few people. Well, that it doesn't say that. stick with you afterward. Mm. You know, sometimes we will say, oh, I saw this reel of this comedian and here was the bit, or I learned mm. this thing from Andrew Huberman or whatever, mm. you know, it has its positive benefits, but it doesn't, it doesn't linger with you like a good movie does. Mm. Like I remember the first time I saw <clears throat> Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, Oh wow! which was early 2000s when it came out. And a good story, a good movie will st- it hangs around you for a while. Hmm. I remember walking out of the movie theater, just like, what did I just watch? I feel so, I feel heartbroken and, Hmm. and energized at the same time. And it hangs around with you. The time you spend in reels doesn't have that effect. I mean, mostly you kind of have to suck yourself out of it. Like, Oh, what am I doing? (laughs) I should do something else. (laughs) Well, there is that, that difference. You know, whenever, so like in the wheel of time that I'm, that I'm reading, it's, it's, it's developing a lot of ideas and concepts and thoughts over a period of time through many characters. And so like, I've, I've really been questioning like, like what's my why? And it's, it's been fun kind of seeing the different characters kind of discover their why and in different ways, you know, with different personality types, you know, men, women, it's just kind of like, there's. And in that way, you're, you're sort of exploring and you get to kind of see things from different people's points of view. And there's something that's kind of like stirring. Because um, I also contrast that with like, I take in a lot of podcasts and information and just kind of devour that. And I just, and also books too. And, and my most <clears> recent <throat> book, I'm reading uh, Bitcoin is Venice. It's I found myself stopping where I probably could read a lot more, but I stopping and just kind of considering and thinking through some of the thoughts and ideas in it. And Hmm. I wonder if it is something like, like you said, you're reading this series, the wheel of time, it's 13 Mm -hmm. books Mm -hmm. and you're, you're taking away questions. Like what is my why? Mm -hmm. It's like these sorts of things, good books, good stories, movies, art, 
it's like firmly rooted in reality, in deep realities, such that you, as you go and interact in the world, you're bringing parts of that with you and you're like, oh, it's making more sense. My relationship makes more sense because of this story I read, this book I read, Mm -hmm. or you're swiping your credit card at, you know, the coffee shop and what you've learned about, you know, the the fundamental question of what is money. Mm -hmm through investigating Bitcoin and reading Bitcoin is Venice, you know, something clicks. You're like, Oh, I see it now in my real life. And I think there's something about social media that doesn't really have that connection firmly into reality. Maybe that's to say good stories have an archetypal nature. Hmm. If it's a good, if it's a good story, it has something of the hero and it has something of love and it has something of loss. Um, like there was a great, uh, I don't know who to attribute this to, but someone said that uh, a story is told in three acts. And generally those acts are act one, introduction of character. What is it? Act one, introduction of characters. Act two, introduction of conflict. Act three, resolution of conflict. Mm-hmm. That's the fundamental story. And you can, there's an infinite number of permutations of that story and elaborations of it. But when you're on social media, you don't have any of that. Hmm. There's no arc. So there's nothing for you to take out into your life. So it's like, it is like the hit of cocaine or, or more like descending into some kind of blackout. Mm-hmm. You know, it feels pretty good. You know, you, you, you drink enough that your troubles go away, but you wake up the next morning and you're like, Am I the same person? What did I do? What did mm-hmm. I say? It's sort of like there's that disconnect with your reality. The place you went is disconnected. I think social media is like like that. Which is hard because like, uh, could, I could definitely feel the pushback on that as far as like, because I've come across things that I was like, whoa, okay, wow, that just changes everything for me. But there's so there's something about like ingesting so much other to get to that place, you know, to find like one little tiny thing that might have an impact on you, you know, um, you know, there's, there's different things that you've sent me that I'm, I'm like, Oh, wow, that's, <clears throat> that's good. It's very thought provoking and yeah. I'll sit with it. But it's interesting a lot. Sometimes that comes because someone sent me something individually mm-hmm. to consider, you right, know, right. And, and I, and at that point I'm also acknowledging that, okay, this person, Matt sent this to me for a reason, why did he send this to me? Totally. And then a lot of times that will lead to discussion whenever you and I get back together yeah. or something like that. And Whereas all of the reels <clears throat> that you watch as you're scrolling mm-hmm. for those 20 minutes or whatever, mm-hmm. none of them are connected to each other and none of them are connected to someone else that you know mm-hmm. or connected to any kind of intention. Yeah. So they just are like these static things that exist in their own hermetically sealed little area and they're short, right? Like Mm -hmm. 60 seconds at max. And you probably don't even watch all 60 seconds of most of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm 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 having a hard time with this in general, just because I, I don't know how to qualify it as far as I just know what it, what I feel, you know, as far as, I'm ne- like kind of like you said earlier, it's like I'm never thankful that I spent that last hour yeah. going through reels. You right. know? However, if I if I read my book, 
and you know, an hour and a half passes, like I'm never not thankful about that, you know, mm-hmm. you know, um, whether it be fiction or nonfiction, it doesn't really matter, you know, unless it's, unless it's something I have to read or I'm trying to read because someone recommended it to me, then I might be like, okay, I just need to get through it, mm-hmm. you know, but even then I've still, there's been very few occasions where I'm, I didn't, I wasn't glad I did that, you know? Hmm. Yeah. There's something about, I don't know. But it's also like, I'm not going to delete Instagram. Yeah, I totally. Yeah, <laughs> I know. know. <laughs> I still love it. Like going across Chris Delia's, you know, comic stuff. And, yeah. Uh, right. You know, it's like, you know, yeah. So it's like, I, I, I think we probably should frame it where I think we're being way too negative on it, but it's like, there is something also, I mean, also it's kind of enjoyable just to check out for a little bit. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And totally. Like it's fun to eat junk food ever so often, you know, mm-hmm. you just don't want to eat junk food all the time. <laughs> It's, it's, it's good for, I was about to say it's healthy for you, but <laughs> to eat junk food ever so often. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I want, again, back to the question is like, maybe it's our age. You know, I think people had similar discussions about the internet when mm. the internet was first becoming a thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, these are all valid points, but I, I, maybe we should say, I don't think either of us are trying to make the point that Instagram or social media or reels are mm-hmm. a bad thing, which should be gotten rid of. Mm-hmm. I just think it's interesting to observe the way that things make us feel. Mm-hmm. Because I generally, you know, if I go through a reels binge, I generally come out of that feeling kind of sick. Yeah. Like kind of like depleted, kind of pruney. <laughs> um, what about just news in general? Because, you know, there'll be different times where... Oh, yeah, news has that effect too. Like I won't be on Twitter and I'll be kind of ignorant of like a lot of things that are going on around me. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's like I'm kind of okay with that. Yeah. And then when I get back into it or I start like looking through and seeing what's going on and stuff and I'm like, whoa, oh, that's going on. Oh, wow. That's going on. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Let me look at that. Who's saying the opposite? What's, what's going on here? You know, and, and kind of go into places. Part of it makes me feel responsible and engaged in the world. Um, but I, I just have, I have a really hard time with that because there's a part of me that I really enjoy trying to understand what's going on in the world. But also there's a part that's like, what about focusing on my kids yeah. on my wife? Right. You know, uh, my business and just whatever else is out there to hell with it, you know? Like, mm-hmm. But I also know that's sort of ignorant too on the other side, you know, it's like where that's good and you can do that. And I think that's, there's nothing wrong with that, but there's also something about being engaged or thinking about the things that are going on in the world around us, you know, whether it be our money and and how that works. And that's one thing that's been really interesting to me, just pursuing, trying to understand what money is, is why am I always feeling I can't get ahead? Mm -hmm. And it just makes sense because our money is just, is being devalued and there's no, there's no savings place to put our money for savings that over the long period, you know, you, you know, you got maybe the S and P 500 and you got some things that 
there are some, some ways to kind of move value into the future, but it's so small and seemingly insignificant as far as like, am I really, am I really investing in my future? Right. And I think that's been, it's been really hard to, to determine, especially in the last four or five years with just the inflation you're feeling like I just spent, I got, went to Popeye's spent $16, $17 on five nuggets, fries, and a drink. Oh, wow. Just for you. Well, it's for me and Emerson. I, we split it. I got yeah. her a large fry, you know, mm. and but still it's like $17. <clears throat> yeah. It reminds me. So maybe crap ass food. Too, maybe this you know? goes back to, um, when I, when I we were talking, it, <laughs> yeah, when we were talking about, um, the Super Bowl feeling out of touch mm-hmm. because it's like, we have this feeling we can't quite put our finger on it, but everything feels like it's being like, it's a farce. It's being pulled mm-hmm. over on us. And I, and you can't figure out where to place it. Like, is it about money? Is it about government? Is it about culture? Is it, what is it? You know, mm-hmm. what is it? That it and we feel it in all these places. And I, it reminds me of this term hypervigilance. Hmm. So, uh, something happens, uh, to people who go through, use my words a little haphazardly here, but traumatic events. So for example, I went through a divorce and in the event of a divorce, when your life is turned upside down such that you have to question everything that you thought you relied on, everything you thought you took or everything you took for granted as true, hmm. right? Everything comes up for question like your own past. Mm-hmm. Like did the things I thought happened actually happen? Where were you then? How were you feeling then? What was happening? You know, you, you have to question everything mm-hmm. and it puts you into this state of hypervigilance, which is I can't take anything for granted. I have to consider everything mm. and everything is too much. You can't consider everything. Like mm-hmm. we need our, our brains are mostly, um, dealing with, uh, essentially blocking things out so that you can focus on something. Mm -hmm. And when you're hypervigilant, you're questioning everything and it splinters you Mm -hmm. and it exhausts you and you can't stay in that state for very long. You'll, you'll run out of energy. Mm -hmm. In my case, I quite frankly ran out of energy and about 35 pounds. Like it wasn't good. Um, But I think people generally feel that way. Like, you know, they go out to Popeye's with their daughter. <laughs> is that where you went Popeye's? Mm-hmm. And it's like a lot of money, but you're yeah. like, you're like, is it a lot of money? I mean, how much was it? I don't remember the last time I came here and mm-hmm. you know, I do remember that when I was in high school, $5 was way more than enough for a lunch at a fast food restaurant. And mm-hmm. now it's 17. That's crazy. And you know, and it's like month after month, the money's going a little bit less far. Mm-hmm. You know, and you start asking yourself, like, am I living irresponsibly? What am I? I'm not spending. I'm not, I didn't buy anything new that I usually don't. And what's happening to my money? Why can't I get ahead? And mm-hmm. the answer to that is so complicated. It takes, you have to read books to, <laughs> to get to that answer <laughs> yeah. and question things that you never thought to question. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that always were just sort of sold to you as, no, this is just totally normal. And the healthy co- economy has inflation as a part of its functioning. And you're like, yeah, well, okay, that makes sense. And, well, do you remember when you were a kid? I don't know if you did this, but I had a savings account when I was a kid. And it was actually a big deal. And I was like, oh, I'm making money. Yeah. And again, I can't tell you what the what the 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 rate was or anything like that. <clears throat> but I also remember it when it, I got first when I was first married in early two thousands. Uh, ING was online, and there was no banks for ING, and so we were getting like I think five or six percent for our. Oh damn! I know for a savings account, and I was like, "Whoa, this is amazing!" And they they said that the reason why they could do this is because they don't have any um, any stationary banks, you know, it was like, it was one of the first sort of like whenever, you know, we kind of, the whole banking started going into the, the internet, you know, type, yeah. type place. And so it's like, I was like, I but, love that into, it started going into the internet. Into the internet. Yeah, exactly. The files are in the computer. <laughs> but I just remember those, those times where I like, I felt like, Oh, my money, if I put it here, it'll, It'll grow. It'll grow and yeah. I'll actually be able to buy more with it. Mm-hmm. Where now it's like if I if I put it into something, I don't know if it's even going to it might grow, but only at the pace that everything else is costing. Right. So do I just oh. spend it now or do I spend it later? Because it's still gonna buy the same amount. It's not going to grow over time right. actually comparatively to what you can buy. It's gonna right? shrink over time. Mm-hmm. Well, and understanding that it takes so much energy to understand that. So your hypervigilance turns into like a myriad of uh, Alice in Wonderland rabbit holes. Mm-hmm. And I think the news tends to do that to you mm. and it's incentivized to do that to you because it's too big to constant. Any one issue is too big to concentrate on. Mm-hmm. And so the news cycle shifts to something else and something different in part to distract you. And in part, because you're just not going to figure out the Ukraine situation, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and by the way, that's old news. Now it's the Israel situation. Mm-hmm. And you're also not going to figure that out. And Oh, by the way, that's old news. Now it's the border situation. And mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, that's old news. Now it's Biden's mental health. And Oh, by the way, that's old news. Now it's Russian nukes. Mm-hmm in space. (laughs) Um, so I just think we're all put in this low level of hypervigilance. And so maybe that is part of the reason why we go to the reels thing. Hmm. It's like, there's too much to concentrate on. I can just go into this microcosm of things to concentrate on and I can swipe up to get to the next one. Whenever one becomes not interesting to Hmm. me, and I don't have to control anything and I don't have to figure anything out. And, you know, I'm just kind of locked in with my m- metaphorical goggles on. Yeah. And depending on your log, uh, a logarithm, uh, algorithm, algorithm, yeah. <laughs> algorithm is, is what kind of comes up. But I think in most, it's, it's most of the stuff's not very consequential to, you know, the real world and right. general, maybe some motivational stuff and there's, some, you know, clips and, maybe people making fun of people or something like that. But, um, but there's just, there's a lot of things that it takes a lot of time and effort to spend time on. Well, that's a hard thing too, because it also takes a lot of these things take our attention away from probably the things we have the control over the most, which is our immediate surroundings, you know, as far as, do I have control or anything 
any ability to affect the things that are going on in Israel or the Ukraine or Russia or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it, it seems like we somewhat get of a false responsibility for things that are not in our control. And in, in this respect, I, I kind of think maybe even we think knowledge is power, but maybe even knowledge is, is distracting in that, you know what, you know what I have control over is like, Hey, my son needs help with his homework. Hey, my, right. My wife actually did want to go out for Valentine's day. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, it's a stupid idea. It's, stupid it's a idea. jungle out there, <laughs> you know, but it's, it, it takes our attention off of maybe the things that were, we actually have that are in our control mm-hmm. and we start thinking and worrying about things that are not. Well, and I think that's the point I was trying to make is like, you do need to shift between perspectives and shift between working on things that you have control over and checking out sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like the need for sleep. Uh, yeah. You know, it's interesting. You go to sleep and you have dreams and um, you might say you don't have any control over your dreams. Maybe that's by design. Hmm. You need to, you need to go to a place where your, your, your mind is just processing things. It's sort of like batch processing yeah. and your experience of that is, you know, what's the Mitch Hedberg, uh, bit about, uh, go to sleep and all of a sudden I've got to build a go-kart with my ex landlord. <laughs> so, so you're doing some crazy shit that doesn't make any sense to you, you know, but there's something restorative about mm-hmm. that. And maybe that's similar with the Instagram thing. Yeah. You know, you, you're, you're overwhelmed, you're hypervigilant by all the things that you have some control over and yet you're questioning everything and life's too much for you because life's too much for everyone. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of check out you. And then I, I'm, I am trying to make the case that that is a necessary thing. And whether you do that through Instagram or through a book or a movie or meditation or um, fly fishing for that matter, it's necessary. Yeah. It's, it's a good thing. Well, it's a necessary thing. Well, even in that, there's there's also quality involved in that. Like maybe, you know, reels and TikTok might not be as high of a quality of escape, you know? But sometimes you need some low quality shit. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> you know, sometimes you want to watch totally. a bad show yeah, or a bad movie. But it's like, it's like those would be, you know, I just put percentage on like 10% of the time that, you know? Yeah. But if you reach into like 90% of the time as an adverse effect, you know, it's the same thing with you know, reading novels. It's like, you can just be lost in novels for your entire life and not live your life, you know? And, and, and that's not, that's not good or healthy, you know? Hmm. Yeah. There's something about, there's that, I think I know you said it was like, there's this balance between sort of escaping and also being grounded, like, you know, uh, being active and participating in the world around you. I'm not sure that the word escape is a very good word Hmm. here. Well, we, we say that like we're escaping, like we're running away from something. Mm -hmm. I'm hiding from something. Mm -hmm. It's like, is that what you're doing when you sleep? No, Hmm. it's, (laughs) It, it, it isn't. 
mm-hmm. it's restorative. It's mm-hmm. if you don't do it, you'll die. So you should do it on purpose. Yeah. You know, and if anybody tries to offer you advice about your life, like one of the things people most often say is you should sleep this amount of hours a night and you should get up at the same time every morning. It's like, be very regimented and very purposeful about your sleep. And mm. <clears throat> I think there's something about that in your productive time too. Like I'm reminded of, <clears throat> um, I think it was Jordan Peterson was talking about this, talking about working with lawyers. He as when he was a practicing psychologist, we talked about working with lawyers who were like, you know, super high functioning, super productive overachievers working a hundred hours a week. And he said, one of the things that they did <clears throat> was you couldn't ever get these people to take a vacation because hmm. you would call them workaholics probably, but you could get them to plan a vacation for like four months in the, in the future. Hmm. And he said that what they found out is if they had, they got these, these people working a hundred hours a week to plan a vacation for four days for four months in the future, they would actually go take the vacation. Hmm. And the result of that over time was that these pr- very highly productive people actually became more productive. Hmm. <clears throat> Cause you need, you need rest. <clears throat> so I'm not sure that that's really escape. I mean, it can be used that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, maybe, <clears throat> Maybe that's one of the big problems with something like Instagram is that there's not really anything intentional about it. You don't, you don't make nobody in their right mind, like makes time. Like I'm going to from six thirty to six forty five, I'm, I'm going to sit down and scroll reels. No, it's something that you do actually to escape the thing that you don't want to do, mm-hmm. you know, which is, it might be work or it might be talk to your kids or it might be, you know, whatever we've talked about this before. It might just be, I don't want to interact with the person in front of me in the grocery store line. I've got my AirPods in and I'm just going to, you know, go. So you use it specifically as an escape and maybe that's what makes it so bad Hmm. or makes it feel uniquely bad in a way that like a book doesn't or a movie doesn't, or even a TV show does a TV show kind of verges on that because now that the quality of TV shows has gotten so good, in many cases it can be as good or better than movies. Mm-hmm. And with a, a good long TV show, you've got 10 seasons with 12 episodes each, and each episode's three hours, and mm-hmm. you're like, you're just going, you know, <laughs> just binging it. Well, I think that's one thing I've loved. Uh, been doing saunas and stuff, and and most people don't bring their phones or earbuds into the sauna. Mm-hmm. Uh some do, but you know, it's surprised their phone can survive it. I know it's, I, I kind of think the same thing too. And it, part of it's kind of cool is like, sometimes you're just in there with, you know, two or three or four people and everyone's quiet and just breathing or whatever it might be. And other times, like a few people are having a conversation and, uh, you know, obviously everyone's listening in, you know, and maybe chime in and stuff like that. But I found it kind of refreshing in that space. Like you're, you know, you're basically saying, Hey, this is kind of like, we're going to kind of see what happens here. Yeah. Maybe we'll all be quiet in here and we're all okay. We're all okay with that, you know? And it's, there's something kind of, uh, uh, 
archaic about it. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, before... The way people used to live. <laughs> totally. You would stand they in line. They just talk to each just other. stand in line. Yeah. <laughs> or you'd talk to the person behind you. Who is that? I think I sent you... The, and speaking of reels, I sent you a reel of this comedian talking about that, about mindfulness. Uh-huh. Oh, how how like, we didn't talk about mindfulness in the 90s uh-huh. because it was just a part of your life. You're waiting for the bus. You wait for the bus. You're uh-huh. taking a shit. You take a shit. Yeah. It's like, I can't remember the last time I just took a shit. <laughs> mindfulness. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have we have the opportunity to escape and distract ourselves. Yeah. There aren't any barriers to that ever mm-hmm. in our lives and now but it did used to be like that yeah. what did he say he's like you're on the you're on the school bus you're watching condensation drip <laughs> uh-huh. and i'm like yeah i know exactly what you're talking about mm-hmm. so i was trying to work out because i've been struggling a little bit in my life uh as a single parent these days just like uh, i god i despise driving hmm. and i love driving <laughs> but i <laughs> I'm getting to where I'm doing six to eight 45 minute trips a day. Uh-huh. And I'm just, <clears throat> I can't stand it. Mm. And I was like, how did my parents do this? Mm. And then I remembered like, oh, right. They didn't. Mm. I rode the bus. Yeah. And when you go wait on the, it's like you get up in the morning and your mom goes, you're going to be late for the bus. It's coming. There's no fucking GPS or an app to tell you that it's coming. It's just like you're supposed to be there. And so mm-hmm. you're going to go stand on the curb and wait. And when you're standing on the curb waiting, you're standing on the curb waiting. Mm-hmm. You have n- you, nothing. You're just hands in your pocket, kicking a rock or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mindfulness is what that is. And then you get on the bus and you maybe you talk to the people around you or maybe yeah. you just sort of stare out the window until you get to school and. That was a, like, that time is gone. Hmm. We don't have that option anymore. So I always carry, like, th- I always had my backpack with me everywhere, and I had three or four books in my backpack. Mm, so you would read. I would yeah. read or something like that. <laughs> but it is, I mean, it's like there was something that, it's like now we have to choose, like, again, we have to choose mindfulness. We have to choose right. to how we well, orchestrate that's a, our time. That's so interesting because... Is it better or worse to have to choose? Hmm. You know, if you have to choose, that means you have options and Mm -hmm. options generally are a better or a good thing to have, Mm -hmm. you know, but I, I wonder if we are (laughs) mature enough as a culture Hmm. to, to have that increased optionality and increased choice be to our benefit and not our demise. I forgot who it was. There's a, there's a really rich person that was saying that uh, like they weren't rich in their early life, but later on in their life they were. And, and as they were growing up with their kids, he said it was a lot easier to tell my kids no for the reason of we can't afford this. Right. And then he found it getting harder whenever he could afford it, but we're not going to do this. Mm-hmm. And I can see that being such a harder thing is when you do have wealth where like almost everybody can afford a phone that can be on Instagram. It's like, you know, it's not before it was like, no, we're not going to do it because we don't have it. You right. Know? Right. Where now almost everybody has it. It's like, no, we're not going to do it. Right. And, and that's a lot harder decision because it actually, you actually have to take responsibility. And I think that's where like wealth and affluence 
you know, really is difficult because it becomes more of a choice and more responsibility than it was. It just wasn't on the table. Well, it requires the ability to make a case for things. Mm. Like, no, why? Mm-hmm. But, you know, if if the answer is it's impossible, mm-hmm. you don't have to make a case for that. It just is what it is, mm-hmm. and you can argue all you want. It's not going to change the fact that it's impossible. Yeah. But if it is possible, and then you have to make an answer based on what? Based on a set of values. Mm-hmm. Values aren't that easily um, articulable. You have to do it on a, a set of hopes and desires, a set of principles. Mm-hmm. None of those things. All of those things generally are implicit in our life. They're not explicit. And so the more affluent you are, the more you have to start making philosophical arguments for your decisions. And that's hard. And so, and especially with kids, Mm. it's hard because one, they can't understand it. And two, they abhor an answer like you don't understand. (laughs) You can't understand it. Mm -hmm. Or because I said so, Mm -hmm. you know, and you're having to make so many, decisions that you literally don't have time to make a philosophical argument for every single thing that your kid brings to you when you're in the grocery store and tries to put in the cart. Mm -hmm. It's like, at some point it's just, no, the answer is no. Mm -hmm. Then, and that's easier when you have the, I can't afford it to stand on, but when you can't afford it, you just have to, all you, you are left with is because I said so, which makes me an asshole Mm -hmm. and people don't like feeling like assholes. Yeah. So, Maybe you just, okay, well, I can't afford it, so I should just give it to them. And then you justify that by saying, you know, well, I didn't have this when I was a kid, and it's great that I can provide this for my kid now. And then all of a sudden your kid is spoiled. Hmm. I think that's why why getting rich would be really um, scary, I think. Because I, I, I use the, the lottery winners, for example, like you just won the lottery and your mom or your sister or whatever comes up to you and it's like, Hey, can I borrow $500,000? Mm-hmm. It's like, I know, no, I'm not going to do that. It's like, you've got $300 million. Like what's, right. what's a, what's 5 million? What's or, it to you? What's 500,000? What's yeah. it to you? You know, it's like, and it'd be like, ah, oh, you know what? You're right. Here's $500,000. Mm-hmm. And, but how many times has that happened? And, you know, we go with lottery winners, like they pretty much go broke within the first two or three years or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and just being able to say no. And I mean, again, maybe you come back to the why, like if you don't have a why, then it's harder to, to say no. Like, like that's not how we're going to spend our money. Well, how are you going to spend your money? Well, here's what we're looking at here. This is kind of our living expenses. This is what we want to do and make a difference in the world. This is how we're going to use this money. And for us, it's like, we're going to live within this means. And so things that fit within this means is we'll spend money on. If if they don't fit in this means, then we're not going to spend money on it. Yeah. Well, it seems, I don't know. It I'm seems kind of arbitrary. But yeah. I, mean, I think in that... I think it has to be arbitrary to some degree. Because you, you have to draw some sort of line somewhere, you know? Mm-hmm. And it is kind of arbitrary once you start having, when you have plenty or more than enough, Hmm. it's like, where is that line is enough $200,000 to live off of a year is enough 500, you know, right. You can make the case that a million dollars a year is not enough Hmm. depending on what your, 
what your lifestyle is like, I guess. <laughs> well, it occurs to me that, yeah, it's arbitrary if you don't take the time to develop the philosophical and existential argument for it, for the line that you're drawing. Mm. And that's hard. Yeah. But also if you don't do that, let's just take with your kids, for example, and I just say yes to my kids about everything. They don't develop any humility Mm. and they feel entitled. They don't learn how to work. They don't learn anything about privation and, and, Anyone who wants the best for their kids would never say, I want them to be dependent on me for the rest of their lives. Mm -hmm. No, it's like you want them to be self-sufficient. It's like, it's, it's like you, you don't want to feed them fish. You want to teach them to fish, Mm -hmm. not because you don't want to feed them, but because they will be their, a, a better them if they are, more capable. But people don't become capable when there's no need to become capable. And so you you have to develop a, an argument for why it is that you are seemingly arbitrarily denying them something which you could easily give. Well, it's like, because I want you to be the best version of yourself that you can be. And, that is a problem set which money is helpful for, but it isn't, it's, it can't solve for money is not going to make you a good person. Mm-hmm. It's not going to make you the best version of yourself. It can help you along mm-hmm. the way and I'll help you along the way, but I want you to be the best you. That's, that's hard. It's really hard to stand that ground. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's the part too. It's like, it is very arbitrary in a sense like it, it's all, it's, it kind of comes back to relativity. It's like, what are you measuring against? You know, uh, Allison was just baffled. She, I, I love it. It was like, it got me thinking too. It was just like, like how fast we are, how fast the world's spinning, how fast this, mm. the earth is spinning around the sun, around the universe, around the galaxy, you know, it's like or around the galaxy and around the, you, you know, it's like, and depending on where you measure the, the how fast you're going is completely different. And, you know, there's a part where most people in the West are living like kings. You know, I've gone over this quite a few times, but, but if we start measuring to our neighbor who has more than us, it's like we're always, or somebody who's always two steps ahead of us, it's like we're always living in sort of want or our poverty in that sense, you know, because I don't have what somebody else has. It's like, how do you have like a good sense of, Again, you kind of mentioned the word humility and also um, and the idea of perspective of I have enough hmm. and how do I live within that, in that, within those means, you know, uh, you know, I make more money than I did when I first opened Medici, you know, it's like mm-hmm. and we were just scraping by and, you know you know, seven people in a thousand square foot condo. And like, you know, it's like, you know, sometimes in August, all we had was, you know, you know, beans and rice to eat and stuff. And, yeah. and <laughs> you know, now it's like, 
Uh, Sometimes we had to cut a bean in half. <laughs> had to cut a bean in half. Walk up, walk up the hill in the snow both ways. Uh, anyways, uh, so it's like, it's, but it's, it's, it still feels like we struggle in certain areas, you know, but also yeah. our quality of life financially has gone up, you know? Hmm. Well, that's another big problem with social media mm-hmm. is we're constantly being shown the best of everyone. Mm-hmm. So we compare ourselves with that. Or their best moment. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, like nobody's putting their worst moments on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that relative nature of things is really difficult. But well, I was kind of wanting to read that passage. Maybe this is a good time to do it. Mm-hmm. Because there is something seemingly... I would probably argue baked into the nature of reality about the relative nature of things that it can be very damaging because like you said, relative to every human who's lived before us, Mm -hmm. we are better, better off. Right. (laughs) Like there's that great, I, I love, uh, who was it? It was uh, Rockefeller was likely the richest man who's ever lived uh, adjusted for inflation. And yet he didn't have access to refrigeration. He didn't have a refrigerator. Didn't exist. So it's like, it takes a lot of mental effort to imagine that, but imagine how life, how different your life would be without a refrigerator. Hmm. You know? Yeah. And granted, he had, you know, I'm sure servants and, you know, hired staff and all of that. But, you know, it's like also imagine how different your life would be without indoor, an indoor toilet. Like that's a really new invention. Fuck that. I just learned recently that the sewing machine wasn't invented until 1860. 164 years ago. In all of human history. Up until then, every single garment of clothing was sewed by hand. <laughs> I mean, wild. just imagine how yeah. different life would be. Um, you know, so we, so relative to all of humanity, we're like the tits, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> it's funny. I don't think I've ever said that before. <laughs> and yet we bemoan the fact that, you know, we don't have what our neighbor has. And this is, that's just human nature. It's, yeah. it's baked into us and but also there is something about the inevitable exponential nature of change in which things continue to change in one of two directions they get better or they get worse Hmm. and that's where this passage comes in so this is a a passage from uh, the great divorce and we talked last week about the i think it was last week we called the episode a goddamn (laughs) white unicorn with wings. Uh Um, So same book here. And he says, this is what mortals, (coughs) this is what mortals misunderstand. They say of some temporal suffering, no future bliss can make up for it. Not knowing that heaven once attained will work backwards and turn even that agony into glory. And of some sinful pleasure, they say, let me but have this, 
and I'll take the consequences, little dreaming of how damnation will spread back and back into their past and contaminate the pleasure of the sin. Both processes begin even before death. The good man's past begins to change so that his forgiven sins and remembered sorrows take on the quality of heaven. The bad man's past already conforms to his badness and is filled only with dreariness. And that is why at the end of all things, when the sun rises here and the twilight turns to blackness down there, the blessed will say, we have never lived anywhere except in heaven. And the lost will say, we were always in hell. And both will speak truly. I, I see some connection between the, the relative nature of things and the transformative nature of things. I can't quite articulate it yet, but are things good or are they bad? Hmm. Well, you know, it depends on how you look at it. And maybe if you choose to look at it in a way that transforms even what is ugly and sorrowful into glory, hmm. then you transform the world into heaven. And so maybe, it, maybe the relative nature of things is the thing that confuses us because we're like, is it good or is it bad? I don't really know. I don't know how to look at it. But really the, the answer is no, you choosing how to look at it hmm. is what transforms it into what it ends up becoming. That's good. If you, if you say, you know, my life is hell. Everything's hard. Mm. And yes, I have this great job and this great family and this great this and that and drive this and live in this place and do all these things, but it's fucking hard. It's like, it's hell. Every morning I wake up, mm. I think you're actively transforming all of that into hell. And eventually you will look back and you will say, I've always lived in hell. Mm. Whereas if you choose to look at it as good and you say, there are some difficulties that to me seem almost unbearable. And yet I wake up into this wonderful home with this wonderful family in this wonderful city and in, in, to this job that I never thought that I would have, even though, you know, I'm confused about whether or not I even like it or, you know, I have all of these doubts, but damn, for this moment, hmm. things are good. You know, in 10 years, all of that gets transformed into, well, I've always, it's like something like heaven and I've, and you're like, I've always been here. Yeah, I definitely experienced that business-wise, like I was telling you earlier, as far as, you know, there's so many times where I was in situations where it felt like hell, like whether it be financially or business decisions. And then as I look back on it, it kind of transforms into a completely different story than what it was in the moment and at the time. And there's something about how can you kind of bring that that future into the present? And I think that's kind of what you're talking about is, you know, you know, in this in this instance, for those who go to hell, everything is seen from that perspective, and in those who went to heaven, everything is transformed into a heavenly perspective. Mm -hmm. And I think that's I think that's interesting, and because even in business, as I've gone through and had different seasons, I now when I'm going through sort of like quotations hell, 
I'm like, okay, I've been here before. And I remember how this turned out. So let me see what, how this is going to transform. So I'm like more right. optimistic in the ability and the idea of that transformation than maybe I was early on in my uh, professional career, you know, just th- thinking professionally, you know, uh, or even like within marriage, you know, when you first, you marry this woman and it's like, everything's amazing. And then you have your first fight and there's discord between you. And it's like, Oh my gosh, how are we going to get over this? And then you get through it and then you're like, Oh, okay. Oh, wow. And then you have a misunderstanding. You're like, okay, cool. I've, we've done this before. And, and then you kind of work through it. And, and there's sort of like this, there's this building of hope, even in that sort of hmm. seemingly hellish, which is disconnect, you know, hmm. from relationship, which is basically what hell is, you know? Yeah. I mean, the more you, let's just take the marriage example, hmm. you know, you're, or it could be a friendship. And hmm. the more you go through with someone, hmm. the more likely you are to say something like we can get through anything. Hmm. That's a strange thing to say, hmm. right? Because, Anything is infinite. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, you think you chipped enough away at the infinite to mm-hmm. be able to confidently say we can go through anything. But I think that that is an evidence of the transformative nature of experience and the hope that that builds and the confidence that that builds. And maybe that's also what you want to give your kids and not just buy off their problems mm. and their questions because you want to build confidence. You want them to have experience. And quite frankly, it isn't that you want that. I was going to say you want them to have hard times, mm. which I think is true. And in some sense, self-evident, but also like, why would you want someone you love to have difficulty? Mm. And maybe the answer to that is because that's how you build hope that has the power to confidently say something like I can attack the infinite. I can say something like we can get through anything. I think think maybe another way to say that is like, it's not that we want our kids to have time, hard times, but we know that hard times are inevitable. So how do I prepare you for the inevitability of hard times? And some of that is in the restraining in the present so that under, under my umbrella, you can experience this in a way that is beneficial to you in the future. As far as like, Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm not going to buy you everything you want. You know why? Because that's not always going to be the case or should not always be the case that you get everything you want. See, that's where your argument falls apart. Hmm. As soon as you say should not, because, Hmm. and sorry, I'm not saying your argument's falling apart. I'm just, I'm seeing a nuance (laughs) there where it's like, I don't think, I don't think it's exactly that you want, You want to expose your children to hard times because hard times are inevitable. Hmm. It's not exactly right. It's so to counterbalance that idea or to Mm -hmm. maybe to to show why I think it's not right. Mm -hmm. Because if you imagine the concept of heaven Mm -hmm. as a place where there's no difficulty, no trouble, only pleasure for infinity. I don't think that's heaven. Well, that would be the absence of hard times, let's say, the absence of death. Hmm. And maybe, it, it, well, I want to know what you think heaven is, hmm. but my point is that that depiction of heaven sounds horrible to me. Yeah, totally. Like, I don't want that. Uh-uh. Like, I feel claustrophobic uh-huh. thinking about that, right? Yeah. So what do you think heaven is then? Well, I think that's the part is, 
I think that's what kind of is built into us is that sort of like you do work through things and it's, it's hard and it's difficult, but as with wisdom and age, you start to learn that, that, that working through things, like there's a, there's a fruit that comes from that. Yes. And so that to me is heaven is like, you're able to work through things and you build on that. And it's like an ever, ever expanding building into that, that infinite, which I would call heaven. And I, I would just imagine that that it's very similar, but there's a, there's more of a, it's like your experience, but it's, it, it's not like a static. Cause like sometimes heaven just seems so static. Yeah. And I feel like it's more of like a, an ascending you're, you're continually ascending into heaven, you know, mm. metaphorically maybe. Well, maybe, so here's an observation. Mm-hmm. Some of the greatest pleasure I've ever experienced in my life has been experienced while working on something difficult. Mm-hmm. Maybe this goes back to the Instagram versus books thing. Yeah. It's like sitting and vegging out on the couch and eating Cheez-Its and watching Game of Thrones. Like that's pleasurable, Mm -hmm. you know, but at some point you feel like a real piece of shit (laughs) and you're like, I need to do something with myself, you know? Um, But there's a different kind of pleasure that comes in doing something. Mm -hmm. So, Mowing the lawn for me, mm-hmm. mowing the lawn, washing my car, yeah. repairing something in my home, working with my hands, mm-hmm. working with my hands in such a way that I have to endure pain. Y- your hands become calloused. Mm. You become stronger. Your mind becomes sharper. And just like the case I was trying to make earlier, that sticks with you. It hangs around you as you go out and do other things mm. in a way that, you know, the, the <laughs> vegging out on your couch, it doesn't stick with you. It's like, so maybe it's something like we want our children to experience hard times because it is in those times where the greatest pleasure is to be had. Mm. And it isn't because the times are hard necessarily, but maybe it is something like that passage that Lewis wrote that those are the things which transform themselves into something like heaven. Hmm. Whereas the, the stuff that we would categorize as the escape is the stuff that transforms itself into something like hell. Hmm. There's pleasure in both, but one is pointed in one direction and the other is pointed in the opposite direction. Hmm. And so we don't say to our kids, I want you to want for nothing. I want you to, therefore experience nothing except comfort comfort mm-hmm. because we know implicitly that that pleasure is hollow mm-hmm. and it won't last. Whereas if we say, if I say to my kid, I'd like you to have a car. I just bought this $500 beater. It doesn't run. Here's your car. Mm-hmm. And we're going to fix it. We're going to work on it. I mean, that was my experience when I was a teenager. And I learned so much mm. fixing that car and took great pleasure in it. And I looked forward to it. You know, I wanted to wake up in the morning. It gave me a reason to wake up in the morning. It gave me a reason to want to get a good night's sleep. And I learned. And that's powerful mm. and invigorating. 
comfort isn't invigorating. Difficulty overcome is invigorating. Hmm. And so maybe that's why we want our kids to have hard times because that's where the good shit is. Hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. It's not the inevitability of the hard times. It's the inevitability of the transformation and the transcendence that comes when you confront them. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's like, I don't disagree with that, but I do feel like hard times are inevitable. Well, I'm taking that for granted. Okay. I'm just saying, I think that's not the whole picture in the same way that science cannot create values. It has to be embedded in ethics Mm -hmm. and ethics is not self-evident. It has to be embedded in religion, Mm. which is an expansionary idea. And I'm just saying the fact that hard times are inevitable is embedded in something else. Mm -hmm. And perhaps it's embedded in the fact that, (laughs) well, we say this all, we talk about this all the time, but it's that quote (coughs) from Dostoevsky where he says, if, if man achieved a, a a utopia whereby all he had to do was eat cake and busy Mm. himself with the propagation of the species, the first thing he would do is break something just so that something interesting would happen. Mm -hmm. That's the point is like, Things being untroublesome, it's just not interesting enough. Mm-hmm. So maybe it isn't that hard times are inevitable. Maybe it's that we we can't stand <laughs> when everything's just good. Because and maybe this is where the relative nature of things come about. It's like everything's good. Everything's great. Well, but it could be better. Mm-hmm. Well, what's good enough? Mm -hmm. At what point is it not worth trouble to try to make things better or try to make things more interesting? It's interesting. As you phrase that, there's definitely like a, it's like there's a, there's this idea of understanding the times where, you know, like what is good like what is good today is might not be what is good tomorrow. And it's like understanding the time where, you know, um, like if I'm, if I'm good at something, but I'm not good enough, you know, am I not good enough to play an NBA, but I'm only six years old or something like that. It's like, it's like, no, as a six year old, you're really good. You're doing really well at what you're doing, you know, playing basketball or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, but you're not an NBA player, you know, it's like, so it's, it's, it's not good to take yourself out of put, to be able to put yourself in the proper context. Like the Michael that started Medici is not the Michael of 17 years later, you know, and I can't judge myself by the Michael of 17, you know, it's like, you know, there's this part that being able to understand where you are and have an accurate, um, assessment of I think that comes with time too as far as like being able to more accurately assess like hey this is where I am this is who I am and this is what what difficulties are sort of warrant the time that I'm in does that make sense Hmm. well because like I mean there's there's this part where you can get into like a sort of a either a victim or um, start comparing yourself to people that like oh 
I don't, ha- I don't have what they have, or I have a lot easier than they have. It's like, it's like, well, that's really the wrong way to look at things. It's like, what resources do you have? And are you using them responsibly? And, and that's the question, not like comparing yourself to, mm. to somebody who doesn't have those resources or someone who has more resources to you. Are you being responsible with the resources that you have? And probably the answer to that question is yes and no, but it's more about identifying, are you being responsible with what you have? Hmm. So I, that kind of comes with the difficulty part too, is like, you know, sometimes you are pushed into a space that's beyond your ability and difficulty and, uh, that you're kind of, that can be somewhat crushing, you know, um, you know, whether you're diagnosed with some, like a disease or something that's like just earth shaking life moving type of an illness, you know, and it changes everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you walk through that and it changes your life, you know? And yeah. So I, I, I'm, I got stuck mm-hmm. on your word responsibility. Mm. Like, are you being responsible for what you have? And I thought, we tend to think about responsibility as adhering to some external judgment. Hmm. Like, am I being responsible in the eyes of my family, in the eyes of my community, in the eyes of the law or the church or the whatever? But I think generally you'd be much better off answering that for yourself. Hmm. Am I being responsible based upon my own judgment and based upon my own experience with my life and the things that I have? And I think about, uh, so a simple example of that is, well, it might be a question like, are you taking pleasure in your life? Mm -hmm. For example, we talk about this all the time. If you go mow your lawn and then you sit on your porch and you crack a beer, <laughs> like I can't think of a better feeling. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, that's like a top five feeling, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. uh, because you sit there and you sort of, you feel like Mufasa with Simba, <laughs> like everything the light touches uh-huh. is yours. <laughs> and it's something like that because. You, you know, that lawn now mm-hmm. you, you were responsible for it, which means you went out and walked in it and trimmed it and cut it to your specifications and mm-hmm. your, your own judgment of what a good job was. And you went and did it and now you survey it and you can survey it because you know it, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, I love the Lion King story. You know, there's a sense in which Simba can't exactly connect with the idea of everything the light touches is yours Mm. until he actually goes out into it and experiences it. Mm. And part of that is going into the elephant graveyard and experiencing that part of it. And it's like, well, now I know what I'm dealing with. Mm -hmm. I know what it means to survey something and say, this is my responsibility Mm. because I know what it is. Um, You know, and going out into the world is trouble. Mowing the lawn is trouble. Mm-hmm. And yet, if you do it, if you go out into the world, it's 
it's a great adventure and you will not experience anything. You know, your couch will never compare to sitting and surveying the lawn you've mowed. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's such a trivial example. And, you know, it's very suburban of me, but (laughs) I also grew up on 40 acres and Mm -hmm. I know what mowing a lot, (laughs) taking care (laughs) of land means too. So, Uh, um, where am I going with this? I, to be responsible for something according to your own judgment of what that means creates pleasure that's unparalleled. So it's interesting too. I kind of I kind of like how you brought another element into this in determining your responsibility by your own judgment, which I think there's a part of that. But there's also this, I kept kind of feeling that there's a relational aspect of it too. And that other people also communicate to you what your responsibility is. And so that you have a more accurate judgment on what your responsibility is. You know, some people might think or expect more of you than where where you are right now. You know, and there's, there's those people that kind of call you to a higher self, that you don't even see the responsibility that you're capable of or are doing. They're like, mm-hmm. they're like, they're pulling you into that responsibility. And then there's others that are, that are completely unreasonable. And, and it's like, Hey, that's, that's not mine. Like whatever you're asking me to do, that's not my, that's not my place. Um, and then there's sort of like the, the Pinocchio where they go off into the, uh, like, forget the world and get drunk and, and, uh, you know, forget all sorts of responsibility. You know, there's Mm -hmm. that kind of, that side of it too. So I think there's also the interesting thing. uh, There's what came to me when we were talking about, like there's a relational aspect to it too. Yeah. And that has to do with your community and people around you. So that's really interesting. So you could think about responsibility as something which is assigned to you. Mm Mm-hmm sometimes by the laws of nature itself, it's like Mm -hmm. you have a kid. Mm -hmm. Well, you're responsible for that kid, whether you want to be or not, Mm -hmm. you know, and maybe you could say, well, that's cultural. And Mm -hmm. you know, that the state's imposing that on me or whatever. But then you can also imagine coming across something. And I I have a good example for this that sticks with the lawn mowing (laughs) theme. Um, You know, let's say you're at work and you, uh, (laughs) you notice something is different and it's better and it's good. And you're like, what the, what the hell? And you might go to one of your employees and go, are you responsible for this? Did you mm-hmm. put this there? Which is, that's not a responsibility, which was assigned. Like there's a sense in which you can say, were you responsible for this? Mm-hmm. Like, did you make this happen? Mm-hmm. So I remember, uh, and there's sort of a rite of passage. And I wonder if any kid really knows this anymore. I think certainly my children don't. And I feel shameful about it, but you know, I, when I was a, a kid, I really wanted to mow the lawn mm. and I begged my dad to let me do it. Totally. And for a couple, you know, cycles, he wouldn't let me do it. Mm-hmm. You're not old enough. Mm-hmm. And he finally let me do it. And I was like, Wee! it's awesome. Mm-hmm. And then the second time I was like, eh, it's, it's not that awesome. <laughs> and by the third time I was like, oh, I don't want to do this. Uh-huh. But then I remember, you know, my dad was like very detail oriented and, you know, I would mow the lawn and he'd come out and be like, you know, you missed a spot and Mm -hmm. you know, this isn't up to par and you need to do better over here. And I'd bitch and moan. (laughs) Totally. But then I remember 
It was one time I was in high school, probably a freshman or sophomore, I don't know. And, you know, by this time I just sort of accepted my plight in the world and it's like my responsibility to mow the lawn. So when dad says do it, you got to do it. Mm -hmm. And if I don't do it, then I'm not going to get to go rollerblading with my friends later. And so I'm going (laughs) to get this out of the way, Uh swallow this pill down, you know, and I went and did it and did the weed eating and all of that. And my dad wasn't home from work yet. And my mom was out running errands and she came home and she noticed what I had done. Hmm. And she basically said, did you do that? Hmm. Like around those rocks over there, did you weed eat that? Are you responsible for this? Hmm. And I was like, yeah, I did that. She's like, that looks really good. Hmm. And I, it was like, she injected me with, you know, it's like the, the Grinch's heart grew three (laughs) times and, and exploded the chart. You know, like I thought, yeah, I am responsible for that. And that uh, brought you pleasure. And uh, I want to do that again. Mm-hmm. You know, like I was taking some internal pleasure thinking I was doing a good job, but like, who the fuck cares? This is a chore that I have to do. And dad's making me do it. And he's tyrannical and oppressive and, yeah. you know, like uh-huh. just a moody teenager. Uh-huh. And my mom was like noticed and asked who was responsible. And I got to say, yeah, that was me. I did mm. that. And God, that's so much better than a reward. Mm. So there's a sense in which your responsibilities are sort of self-evident and unavoidable. Hmm. And, and also a sense in which you can be responsible for things which no one knew there was any need of doing. Hmm. Or any need of doing well. Yeah. And that's an expansionary position to take. And when somebody says, who was responsible for this? And you get to say, I was. It's like, it wasn't assigned because no one thought to do it Mm. in a sense. You know, nobody nobody assigned me to edge around those rocks in that particular way. (sighs) You know, it just, but it it brought notice and attention and pleasure to someone that I cared about. Totally. Well, I think that's, there's a, there's a, there's something you're kind of touching on too, is there's difference between doing something that's expected of you. And there's a difference between in, in doing something with excellence or with care. And I think that's where responsibility responsibility is not, I don't think is really, maybe there's a different word for, but we take responsibility for something. It seems that there's a, it's like you put your personality into it. Like Mm. doing a task is one thing, but that's not really, you're not taking responsibility. You're doing a task. Like, you know, you're saying like, like, okay, I'll mow the yard, you know? But whenever you take responsibility for something, it's like weeding around those rocks is specific. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this really well in a way that's unique to me. And I, and I see this with my, with my baristas, you can tell people who are just doing the task and taking responsibility for the task. And I, I'm making, I'm trying to make a distinction here. I don't really understand what it is versus like, like embodying that. Yeah. I love the way you said you put your personality into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is doing something, being responsible, something by the terms of your own judgment, Mm -hmm. which that's what putting your personality into it means. Mm. Like I'm going to do this in the way that the way that seems transcendent to me. Yeah. Cause the same things happened. The task was done. Yeah. But there was something different in that. 
in the result there it's it's like visible almost yeah like again like the, the lawnmower lawnmowing thing is like the first time i heard austin like express like the the lawnmowing and then afterwards the smell mm-hmm. and i'm like i'm like yes you he get it. it you yeah. get it you get it you kind of have that like you know like you know like a, a barista that you know just went through a rush and they got everything back together and set everything back up and it's just sort of like you see that satisfaction of sort of like wow we really nailed that you know and i just i just love i love seeing that because i know what they're talking about is we just like knocked out like you know 75 people in a you know 45 minutes and like yeah. it went smooth we had a great conversation and it was great tempo and you know it's like yeah um and there's just something like really like that you see the satisfaction on them that, you know it's like where somebody else would be like oh my gosh 75 people we got to do this uh, uh, uh. Mm. And they it's like the very same thing was hell for one person and heaven for the other you know mm. it's like and and part of that is is I, and I think we've said responsibility like 10,000 times, but there's something in that moment when you have embodied that and your personality comes out because the very same task is actually communicated to the people that you're maybe that are experiencing that in different ways, you know, or like the person who really embodies it, that per, their personality is like kind of is trend or is, is, is I don't know, like metaphysically like embodied or oh, yeah. shoot, I don't know. It's like, it becomes relational almost. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm specifically thinking in a, in a barista kind of a situation where like the, the customer has a, a relational connection to the barista whenever that, whenever that kind of, mo- and, the, and the barista to the customer too, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, maybe we should leave it there. We can go on for a while. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot to explore in this because there's, I think there's a lot of nuance and, 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 uh, in the experience of like, what does that mean? Kind of makes me want to um, explore that this week. So mm-hmm. let's do it. All right. Thanks for coming out to Cheers. the shores. Thanks for being with us, y'all. Definitely guys. Love you out there. Cause it's Valentine's. Yes. <laughs> That's why I said that. Thank <laughs> you.